Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am the host. Before anybody says anything, this is a University of Utah t-shirt. A uh, family friend is on the Utah softball team. Have to give them a shout out today as they're uh, in the big tournament up there in Salt Lake City. So uh, just had to throw that out there. You know, Utah shirt is definitely not a Chief shirt. Utah shirt, 100% in love the way. Tyler is joining me as well, man. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I'm okay. I'm still sick. I feel like I've been hit by the Dallas Cowboys media bus, but I've got <laughs> my, my tea here. I've got my Chargers pajamas on. And so, you know, I get knocked down, but I will get up again. There you go. There you go. Um, you know, we were joking the other day that uh, we always get sick over breaks. That's the beauty of working in education, I feel like, is you just get, you always get sick on breaks. You know, it is what it is. Um, so I've got a fun show planned for you guys today. We're going to be running through some of the biggest moves of the offseason in the AFC. Um, and then we're going to be kind of trying to sort how we view these teams in this conference. So now that we've had a few weeks removed from the draft, we've had, you know, most of these teams are about 95, 98% of the way done. We'll see some minor moves here and there like the Chargers did with Nick Williams picking him up uh, this past week. But for the most part, the dust has settled on the conference, and uh, it's a stacked conference, so I'm very curious to see how this has uh, shaken out between the two of us. So um, excited to dive in. Of, of course, we're going to put a lot of uh, Chargers spin on things, um, and the Chargers will be mentioned in terms of the offseason moves, in terms of you know sorting. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time, is seeing how the Chargers stack up against the rest of these teams. So going to be a lot of fun. As always, Tyler and I are fans. We are independent content creators uh, for the Chargers channel. We are not employees of the team. So the opinions that we share on this channel during this video are not reflective of the franchise and the organization's view. So um, we're excited to be here today. As always, we're excited to dive into this show. But we are fans just like you guys. We just happen to be making this kind of content. So uh, before we get started as well, make sure and uh, do us a favor and go subscribe to uh, the channel here on the Chargers feed as well as our own on the Guilty as Charged, where we have plenty of other content throughout the week. We do really appreciate that. All right, Tyler, that being said, we're going to dive into the five uh, biggest, juiciest, most relevant moves of the offseason for AFC teams um, and how it could impact our rankings as as well as ultimately the season i think you and i were kind of on the same page in terms of the biggest move i think everybody kind of is um and that's the jets acquisition of aaron Rodgers. um jets ultimately sending the packers uh, a pick swap this year um at least one second round pick from this past year's draft and then uh, a potential first round pick next year assuming aaron Rodgers uh, meets some snap count thresholds so um how do you think aaron Rodgers? impacts the jets this year because i think the the perception from the jets and what they're sending is that hey we feel like we're a quarterback away from really making some noise in the afc do you share that same opinion and how do you think aaron maybe might take them a step further than just like making the playoffs yeah no i, I do think that this is a team that can be considered a quarterback away because i do think they have enough pieces on offense and they certainly had a really good defense but it, it really did come down to the quarterback play which was both shaky and inconsistent. I mean, there was there was no set quarterback for them. It was, well, hopefully it was going to be Zach Wilson, but then it was White, and then it was Flacco, and it was just like, who can we have but Zach Wilson? And then there was that debacle with the whole locker room thing, and, you know, did you feel like it was on the offense at all and that sort of thing? So bringing in someone like Aaron Rodgers, the difference is significant. Like, no matter what, the, the Jets last year were the 36th in the EPA per play with Flacco, 35th with Wilson. 
Rodgers in his last year with the Packers, even though it wasn't a great year, was still 23rd. Is that elite? Is that top five? No, but I do feel like he can return more towards that upper tier. I don't think he's going to hang in the 20s this year. And the Jets are a very good – they have very good defense. And not that defense – I know that you know, defense wins championships is the big you know thing that we've always heard our whole lives, but not really yep. anymore. But having a good <laughs> defense and a solid offense is, is certainly very helpful. Rodgers can certainly help with the Jets. Jets' defense was sixth in EPA per play last year, fifth in DVOA. So, you know, how, how good does he have to be? I don't know. It's certainly not the easiest division anymore. You know, it used to just kind of be – the one team and everybody else. Now it seems like a lot of these teams are, are reloading in the AFC East. But, you know, at, at minimum, I never would have considered the Jets a contender before this, or not a contender, a playoff team before this. And, and now I kind of have to because if everything plays together like it should and, and Rodgers does hit, it's a very overall talented team that I, I do feel was a quarterback away from playoff contention. Yeah, I think you look at um, the Jets in 2022 and you see, obviously, the quarterback position was kind of a, a debacle for them with Zach Wilson and, you know, the guys that you mentioned. So they ended the season 26th in DVOA on offense. Um, and it was like all those teams at the end were all jumbled right next to each other. So they, they could have easily been 32nd. Um, they had a solid run game for what it's worth uh, with uh, the LaFleur brother and Brees Hall and the offensive line. Um, so that kind of, you know, buoyed them up a little bit more than I think people would would think. And so, um, you know, defensively, they were a top five union on DVOA as well last season. So whether or not that can be sustainable for this team remains to be seen. Um, you know, defense is really, you know, has recently fluctuated pretty heavily for in terms of production and EPA and DVOA. Like, it's very hard to sustain a top five defense. So. Um, what's the best way to combat that? You go and improve your offense every single year. And so the Jets have done a pretty good job, in my opinion, investing in offensive line play, investing in skill positions. Um, you know, this this wide receiver unit led by Garrett Wilson, who was the offensive rookie of the year last year, should certainly be better than what Aaron Rodgers was dealing with last year in Green Bay because you already have a guy like Wilson. You obviously bring over Lazard from Green Bay. Um, you have Corey Davis in that room as well. So they've got a good tight end group with Jack uh, Tyler Conklin. I almost said Jack Conklin. That's the, the tackle for the Browns. Uh, Tyler Con- Conklin and CJ Uzama, both really good mm-hmm. veteran tight ends. Brees Hall, they drafted um, Izzy Yaba. I, I can't pronounce his last name, but the running back from Pittsburgh they drafted this year, who a lot of people are fans of. So the offense should be better just by talent, and then you, mm-hmm. you drop in Aaron Rodgers into that picture, who I think is past his prime, but still should have enough to play. And we've seen... Aaron in the past be very motivated by certain things and uh you know that led to some MVP seasons from him so um I I still like we'll we'll see how we sort the Jets ultimately but I'm still a little hesitant to buy fully in Mm. to what Aaron has been you know over the last few months he seems more bought in with the Jets but I'm I'm still a little skeptical myself uh, of what he's going to bring to the Jets yeah and that's completely fine it's it's He's an interesting person to try to figure out, that's for sure. So we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, the Jets, I'm not even sure if he's going to be their quarterback the following year. Like, there's there's so much right. uncertainty there with him and his situation. And last year we saw all these teams get quarterbacks and acquire things in the AFC arms race and it ended up being the Chiefs again. So, you know, guys like <laughs> Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, for very different reasons, various reasons, it didn't work yeah. out. So I would understand the skepticism. 
Yeah, and I, at the end of the day, I respect the Jets for going out and taking a big swing. I mean, they very yeah. could have easily signed Derek Carr. They could have traded for Ryan Tannehill. Um, but they clearly wanted to take a big swing and, and ended up getting Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. should be a lot of fun, man. This is going to be the first time Justin Herbert gets to play against Aaron Rodgers, uh, although in New York as opposed to in Green Bay. So, of course, the, the one season the Chargers are scheduled to play in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is not the quarterback there. Mm-hmm. Um, but should be fun to see what he uh, brings to the Jets. Um, second one here, which, what's the second move of the offseason in terms of ASC teams that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, it's got to be Sean Payton to the Broncos. I guess it almost has to be by default. After that, I feel like there's a, a cluster of things we could talk about, but that's the big one. I think, in theory, the the Broncos should start better than they did last year. There won't be those you know, time management gaffes, those end-of-the-game gaffes that right. Hackett had, which is kind of a, a national embarrassment for them. I'm assuming that that's not going ha- to happen with Sean Payton. What's really interesting here for this year and really moving forward is the dynamic between Peyton and Wilson two guys who kind of want to have their way I mean not that we know everything about Russell Wilson some of its speculation some of its you know gossip that sort of thing but you know Peyton is entering this organization they traded for him he's going to get his way Russell Wilson is in theory like used to having his way and things didn't end in Seattle so hot so I think the floor for this team is potentially raised with the exception of there could be a disaster point in here where these two personalities maybe don't clash, um, things don't work out, suddenly there's finger pointing, and Sean Payton goes, nope, not the quarterback I want to run my offense in the end. So, um, again, I do think the floor is raised. I think they start better than they did. They certainly finished, I think, pretty strong. They took it to the Chargers in Week 18. They took it to the Chiefs twice in like almost back-to-back weeks. So there, there's good players and a good team in there, I think, somewhere. Um, but I'm, I'm more skeptical of, of the Broncos than I am the Jets because I feel like there's there's a potential powder keg scenario in there too. Yeah, I mean, obviously some of that too is how you feel about the quarterback. I mean, I would I would I would probably take the Jets defense in a vacuum over the Broncos defense. Um, but Sean Payton definitely raises the floor of the Denver Broncos, like you mentioned the the end of game scenarios, and also just like they, you know, Hackett and that coaching staff just they don't have the same kind of like cachet, if you will, of saying like, Hey, like we've been there, done that. And you know, we're going to do this our way. Um, there were reports coming out of training camp that it was like, this is Russ's offense. And we're like, we're leaning all the way into like the Russ approach. And obviously, um, you know, the, he had like his own office on the coaching, the coaching staff floor and like everything like that. So I just like the way that they approached that season just was kind of set up for failure from the beginning. That's not going to be the case with Sean Payton, and I think some of that is also reflective in how they approached their draft, their free agency. I mean, they signed two big contracts in terms of offensive linemen, in terms of Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers, and those are two guys who are better run blockers than pass protectors. Um, they draft another running back in this class. You have Javante Williams coming back. They signed Samaji Pirine. So Sean Payton's kind of telling us, like, hey, we're going to run the ball, <laughs> and we're going to get back to how Russ was successful probably early on in his career. So... The the Broncos are going to be more formidable than this past year, but you know, like statistically, Russ really hasn't been Russ since 2020. So how the Broncos handle this season, I think, is going to be very um, insightful to how they view Russell Wilson down the road because there's like some injury guarantees similar to how uh, Derek Carr's contract was set up, and so the Broncos could get to you know week 12 
and they could be you know uh, below 500 and decide hey like let's let's mm-hmm. hang russ up and then we don't have to pay him this money and then we can move on in the offseason so like you mentioned i do agree um for like the broncos this year their floor will be higher but i'm more concerned from a Chargers perspective about the Broncos in the future with Sean Payton than I am immediately in 2023. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. And that, that does make some sense because we've, it's tough to say, cause last time we saw Russell Wilson against the Chargers, it was not pretty for the Chargers. So um, no. we'll see, but yeah, there, there's always so much longer. This can continue. I don't know how much more there is to salvage with Russell Wilson, but yeah, I, I could see that moving forward. Just whoever Sean Payton brings in next, that new era, that is certainly more concerning especially if they can do it really quickly as early as next year while the defense is relatively young and really good. Yeah. I will uh, I'm curious about like the negative outcome probability here because the last time we saw Sean Payton coaching uh the New Orleans Saints offense in 2021 was not exactly great. I understand that was uh after the Drew Brees era, but the 2021 Saints were 23rd in offensive DVOA that year, so it mm-hmm. wasn't like Sean Payton like went out on top and then retired and then decided to come back. Like how likely do you think this does not work out for the Broncos in the way that they're hoping? I mean, I'm not going to say like they're, they're probably hoping that this ends in a Super Bowl win at some point in the future, but like a lot of Broncos fans are very, very excited about this upcoming 2023 season. Um, And obviously we talked about Russell, but what are the chances that you think Sean Payton is just kind of maybe being a little slightly overvalued right now? Hmm. I don't know what the what the percentage would be there. It, it's certainly possible, and I don't know if he'll will ever be able to answer that if he finds out, or the, really the Broncos find out that Russell Wilson isn't their guy. So, hmm. It's it's possible. It, it's very possible. I don't know if that this is the the greatest Broncos offensive core, you know, compared to what he had with the Saints when when they were at their peak. So, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Should be interesting to see uh, Brandon Staley's defense go up against Mm. the uh, Saints offense in Denver uh, twice next season. So I'm excited for those games this year. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Next one here that we wanted to get to, obviously, the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot of (laughs) interesting discussion between the Chargers and Dolphins on social media, um, mostly regarding the uh, quarterbacks. But you know, the Dolphins ultimately winning the Vic Vangio sweepstakes this year. Reportedly, Vic had like eight teams lining up to offer him contracts, and, and he's uh, making more money than a bunch of head coaches in the league this year to be Miami's defensive coordinator. Um, pretty drastic change, too, from the, the Patriots-type defense that they've been employing previously. Um, and we're going to two-part this as well because the Dolphins traded for Jalen Ramsey to kind of, you know, take their big swing of the offseason. So... Uh, Tyler, what do you make of the Dolphins' approach getting Vic Fangio and Jalen Ramsey this year? Uh, pretty, pretty darn smart. I mean, Fangio was the hot commodity out there in terms of the, this coaching cycle, and, and I don't recall if he interviewed for a head coaching job or not, but he was certainly the hottest coordinator candidate out there until maybe Kellen Moore became available. This is uh, in the pairing with Jalen Ramsey. This is this is big for them, and it, it's sort of opposite of the Jets Rogers situation where the offense was really solid. They just needed. They never really put it together on defense. There's too much talent. Kind of reminds me of like the Browns, where there's so much talent on that defense, but you look at the numbers and it's like 15th in DVOA, 24th yeah. in EPA per play. Like it's not where they really should have been. 
And it's not like that division last year was all that great on offense where it's like, oh, my gosh, like we just, you know, the numbers aren't so hot because we're playing really great offenses every week. Not really. So, you know, I, I guess in, in some sense their own offense made it difficult for their defense because there were consistent shootouts. But getting Fangio, getting Ramsey, a, you know, a proven coordinator in the AFC, Ramsey a proven cornerback in the AFC and NFC, you know, Ramsey, sure, not his prime self, but still a very good corner. It, it, it could be potentially dangerous. I don't know what to make of them because even though I think this is a, a slam dunk, awesome set of moves for them, it all comes down to the quarterback. So what does right. that mean for their outlook? I'm not sure, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, I think it's a smart approach from them because I think the defense was pretty clearly the the weak part of their team last year outside of like backup quarterback. Um, so you get Vic Vangio to come in and I think just provide a little bit more of a higher floor, similar to conversation to like Sean Payton here with Vic Vangio. Um, and like that could have been enough, honestly. Like they could have been a much improved unit with just hiring Vic Vangio. I mean, they've got uh, a good amount of talent. You know, Javon Holland, I, I think Xavier Howard's kind of past his prime, but still – Still a quality football player, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. Um, they signed David Long, the linebacker from Tennessee, to to play that unit. Obviously, Christian Wilkins, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. So they could have just uh, said, looked at this defense and said, hey, we just need like a, a, a better voice in the room, and, and we can call it good on that defensive side of the ball. But um, going out and getting Jalen Ramsey, I think, was was a big move. Uh, I asked Quentin Johnson on our show uh, or on our channel last week, which corner he was most excited to go up against. He said Jalen Ramsey. So mm. um, that matchup in week one, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on like Tua and Justin Herbert and stuff like mm. that. But uh, on this channel last week, we talked about Michael Davis versus Tyree kill, you know, Vic Fangio versus Brandon Staley. Like there's a lot of great storylines in that matchup. So um, this this Miami Dolphins defense is way more interesting with Vic and Jalen Ramsey than I think it was previously. And when you have Josh Allen in division, we have Aaron Rodgers in division. In general, you play in the AFC, like it does make sense to load up on defensive talent too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinta Johnson versus Jalen Ramsey. I, I, how many times are we going to get that? Do you think? Because I don't know. How I don't think very it. much. I don't think very yeah. much. Um, you know, the the approach with the Dolphins and Jalen is going to be really interesting to see how he kind of shadows people. Um, He had obviously one of his best seasons under Brandon Staley in 2020. And one of the things that made that, that marriage, if you will, so great was that Jalen would play in the slot a lot more often than he previously had. So Jalen's a guy that is not going to be afraid to go up against a a team's number one receiver if it's a slot receiver. And so we might see him glued to Keenan Allen's hip, but I, I think we'll see it occasionally depending on like receiver rotation. Yeah, I was just wondering because in terms of the hierarchy, no offense to Quentin Johnston, but I'm going after the other two guys that are making $20 million a year that are pretty good. Um, I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you can tell by week one what Quentin Johnston's going to be and if that's like, okay, that's the guy we're going to take out, guy we have no film on that they just drafted who's not Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. No offense to him, but I just, hey, hey take, you know, take advantage of your matchups. If you want to get 200 yards on two plays against Jalen Ramsey, I'm all for it. Hundred percent. That would be a, that would be a great way to start your rookie season, man. Go up against uh, Jalen Ramsey, give him a give him a, a couple bills. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, all right, next one here. We're kind of lumping Ravens off season in general here. Obviously, the Lamar Jackson stuff really was the headliner for the Ravens, but um, they hired Todd Munkin from away from Georgia. Um, the last time we had seen Todd Munkin in the NFL was down in Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick and all those guys. 
Um, and, and I think we've seen a very successful Georgia offense over the last few seasons. So again, like just replacing Greg Roman with Todd Munkin, that would have been enough. You get the Lamar extension. You obviously uh, sign Odell Beckham Jr. And then you draft say flowers in the first round as well. So this Ravens passing attack is really going to look very different in 2023 than it did in 2022 and previously. Yeah, it's a good group. So you have Bateman, Oda Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Devin DuVernay, Nelson Aguilar, a really good tight end room with Andrews, of course, leading the way, but then Isaiah Likely, your tight end H-back sort of type, uh, Charlie Kolar. It's a really, really good group. So, you know, we'll see how things go to start the season. Of course, you know, just like the Chargers and Kellen Moore, you got to iron some things out. You got to learn the offense, got to work together, that sort of thing. But it's a really, really good group. And I, I really do like that. You know, I don't know if it's too late for the Ravens, but they certainly, I, I love the way that they've, you know, gathered around their quarterback as they, as they should have. The money's there. The In theory, the corner, the cor- coordinator, excuse me, is there. And the, the receiving talent is there. So a lot of pressure, I guess. No excuses because you, you have basically everything that you would want. Um, so, yeah, I think the Ravens are that sneaky, very dangerous team. Yeah, 100%. And... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with their rushing game because, mm. I mean, we've seen Lamar rush for over a 1,000 yards previously. Is that something that goes away now that they have paid him a bunch of money guaranteed, a bunch of long-term money as well? Mm. Um, you have more passing options as well, like we talked about. So the Ravens are an interesting team. I think they're going to look very different than what we are used to seeing um, with Greg Roman because Greg Roman's thing is, like, I'm going to build a rushing offense first I need me a, a, mo- a mobile quarterback. I need a great running back or two. And we're just going to run the, the piss out of the ball, essentially. Um, that's not Todd Munkin's uh, forte, if you will. I mean, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, his his experiences with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick were like, we're going to throw 50 times a game and we're going to let our guys air it out. A little bit different down in Georgia. But um, I do think when, when the Ravens come to town with the Chargers, they'll they'll look very different. I think so, but then if the if the Ravens come to town, they should just be running the football. So you know, maybe they will just call up Greg Roman for a game and, and rush it 50 times. <laughs> That's certainly possible. Certainly possible. Um, all right, so we uh, we wanted to frame our initial discussion here in this way because there's been you know some thought that like the Chargers haven't done enough to keep up with these teams in the offseason. But if you really kind of take a step back and look at the AFC moves as a whole – the Chargers landing Kellen Moore, I think, is right up there with biggest moves of the offseason. Um, certainly one of the best non-head coach play callers in the NFL from what we've seen over the past few years with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so, Tyler, does this move belong in the same vein? Should we have replaced it with, like, the you know, you know like the Browns going in all in on the defensive line, for example? That's one thing we mentioned. Or you know, the Chiefs going after Jawan Taylor. How do you feel like we can justify Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore's addition being in this space too? I would say it's the third biggest move of the AFC in the whole offseason. I think, you know, Rodgers going to the Jets is huge. Peyton to the Broncos is huge, sure. But after that, I really think Kellen Moore to the Chargers is that third biggest move. It's, it's huge for the Chargers, I think, because, I mean, the Chargers asked the question, what if we got a coordinator who's had a top five at worst top 10 offense every single year. And what if we took that coordinator and paired him with a quarterback who's an MVP candidate? And so there's really nothing to look at that. And even just looking at the numbers, when we first started diving into this, when they hired him, 
EPA looks great. Uh, DVOA looks great. Red zone offense was the best in the league last year. They're a balanced team. They spread their formations out more. Everything's so great about this that, you know, does that mean the Chargers are Super Bowl contenders because of the one thing? Not necessarily. It does have to work. But this move is potentially huge because, you know, we'll see what happens with the defense for the Chargers. There's a lot of potential there, but we don't quite know. We know that Herbert can be an MVP quarterback. We know that Kellen Moore can coordinate a, a really, really good offense at minimum. Pairing these two together, I mean, this is how the Chargers make the postseason. This is how the Chargers become Super Bowl contenders. This is how they win the Super Bowl. Like, this is a huge move. I know I'm a Chargers fan, so of course I'm going to feel like it's a big move. But, right. like, the switch from running an offense that probably didn't work for the players that you had and the quarterback that you had that didn't function so well situationally, that wasn't great in rushing last year, taking that and going to someone who is going to really get this offense to reflect what it should be, what it could be, that's huge. I mean, and that's that's coaching, that's teaching. You want the most out of your players, your students, whatever, as you can. You want to set them in the best positions to succeed. And I think that the Chargers were able to do that a bit in 2021 and in 2020 as well. 2022 was a whole mess, but... It really feels like and not everything's going away, right? Like, just Kellen Moore came out and said, listen, right. there are things that they did well that we're going to continue doing. I think some things in the short game that Justin Herbert has learned how to do is really, really big. I think the way they use certain players, I'm sure they'll use them kind of similarly in different situations. But just the, the extra notch the Chargers can jump up because of their offense, because of Kellen Moore, I think it makes it the third biggest move of the AFC. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I think you can look at uh offensive coordinators or play callers in general in a similar vein as how you look at quarterbacks in the sense of there are certain coordinators who or play callers that you win because of that like regardless of who what kind of players you have in that system that coordinator play caller is going to truly elevate every every player in that system we've seen that with Kyle Shanahan regardless of who he has at quarterback I mean he made the Cleveland Browns offense look functional for a year. You know, he was down in Houston. I mean, he, he made uh, Matt Ryan an MVP candidate and an MVP winner. Um, you know, we've seen him time and time again in San Francisco. Same thing with Andy Reid, whether it was like Kevin Cobb for a year or Jeff Garcia, you know, like nice. certain offensive play callers just know how to have a functional unit regardless of who is playing quarterback. Mm. And vice versa, there are play callers who – need that talent in order to be functional. And then if you lose that talent, the bottom kind of falls out. Mm -hmm. And I think the Chargers previously had the latter with Joe Lombardi, not to like make this a Joe Lombardi hate thing, but that's not the goal here. Um, but Kellen Moore, like if you really look objectively at who the Cowboys have had on offense over the last few years, I think he is a coordinator that can truly elevate players in his system and I'm not just talking about Dak. Like, we saw them maintain a top 15 offense with Cooper Rush. Yep. It wasn't as great with Andy Dalton, like, objectively. I don't know, like, what happened there. But, you know, you look at the offensive line injuries. You look at the lack of receiving talent. I mean, last year, like, really it was CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz, and it wasn't much else, and they still had a top 10 passing offense. Mm -hmm. And so you look at what Kellen Moore can do in terms of elevating an offense and you pair him with a quarterback who is capable of elevating an offense. And I think this Chargers offense is going to be legitimately a top five unit. Uh, and that's even before you talk about like adding uh, Quentin Johnson, getting a healthier offense around Justin Herbert. So I agree. I think this Kellen Moore pairing, like it's kind of simmered down. There hasn't been a ton of national attention on it recently, 
but I think it is one of the moves that will help define the 2023 season in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely. And you've already started to see some of the influences of this. I would not have thought they'd go get another receiver in the first round and, and go three wide receiver sets. And then um, the way that they're probably going to have six wide receivers on this roster instead of five or really like four and a half or even four, you know, the previous years with just the pure returner types. It just seems like that Kellen Moore is coming in to change things in a way that is just a little bit different than it was before, just in terms of roster management. And so if that's kind of how things are shaping up, it's going to be a big change on the field. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And we've seen some great breakdowns from Brett Coleman on, on this channel of the X's and O's and things like that. But just philosophically, I think the Chargers are really going to be, you know, in a much better standing point with Kellen Moore. And, and I think like we've talked about before, like, adaptability is something that Kellen Moore is really going to bring to this team. And that's something that I haven't had it really probably since Ken Wisenhunt was around, you know, back in 2018 with that team. So Chargers fans uh, have kind of settled down on the Kellen Moore hype, but I think uh, hopefully after this show, they can kind of, you know, get back into this, into the swing of things in that regard. Absolutely. All right, so uh, for the second part of our show, we're going to uh, share our screen here. We're going to bring up the handy-dandy tier maker, and we're going to sort some of these teams out, some of these moves, uh, and see how uh, these teams really stack up. We're not going to spend a ton of time talking about the uh, teams that we really like know a lot about in terms of like being bad or being good. Um, so we have this tier maker sorted out here. Again, this is AFC only. Um, so we're going to sort it into Super Bowl contender. Uh, that's the top tier, obviously. Uh, teams that we're pretty confident are playoff teams. Teams that are a fringe playoff team. Um, teams that are kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. Uh, and then Tyler has it in the back. Hello, Caleb Williams. You know, teams who we think are, are going to be pretty bad. Although some of the teams that are bad are just drafted yeah. a quarterback. <laughs> but we'll see how that one goes. Um, Tyler, let's let's talk about the teams quickly that we're like very confident in their placement. Uh, I think we can all pretty confidently say the Chiefs are the Super Bowl contender. Uh, they're the champs. They've won the AFC West eight years in a row. Like they have the best Jesus, quarterback, the best coach. Years. So uh, <laughs> it has been eight years. Uh, so I very comfortably, Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender. Who else do you think is a Super Bowl contender in the AFC? Yeah, the one that consistently seems to outperform themselves in the playoffs, and that's the Bengals. So I think of the AFC, I think the Chiefs and the Bengals are one and two. I, I think the Bills, kind of like last year, you could make the case that they're maybe more talented or have the better quarterback or whatever, but the, yeah. Beng the Bengals just have been hanging in there, and the Bills, for whatever reason, now granted it wasn't like Josh Allen's fault, they lost to the Chiefs. That was just a shootout that somebody had to lose two years ago, but... Um, I think these two are, are the class of the AFC right now. Yeah, in terms of sure things, 100%, I agree there. Um, you mentioned exceeding expectations. I think the Bills, for whatever reason, have just not been able to to get over that hump. Um, you know, trading for or signing Von Miller, rather, was supposed to be that move. And then Von ultimately got injured. So maybe that changes. You know, they obviously uh, drafted my guy Dalton Kincaid this year, but until they really prove it, I think we kind of have to cool down a little bit on the Bills hype. Mm, okay, so you'd have them at playoff team? I would have them at, at for sure, playoff team. Yeah. Um, I would still pick them to win their division, but mm -hmm. in terms of, like, they're 100% a Super Bowl contender, I think we have to – my personal opinion is that we should cool down a little bit on that hype. Okay, yeah, I agree. I thought I was going to be the only one saying that. So, um, yeah, I agree there. Very talented there team, but, like – 
super the chargers ish you gotta prove it yeah there's not there's like no holes on that team like their offensive line is good they have good running backs they have obviously josh allen their receiver room is good um i think their tight end room now with with kincaid and, and dawson knox is good defensive line is you know runs 10 deep their linebackers are solid i just like they just kind of have to like do it for me first um all right let's uh for sure bad teams i think we can definitely pencil in the colts and the texans there personally um some people think the colts can be pretty maybe a middle of the pack team but uh-huh. i think they're gonna be bad and i think the texans are gonna be bad as well yeah it's so tough because the strength of schedule i think for all four of the afc south teams is like five best um because they play each other and so i, I think that you know there's a team that can maybe like like if i had to pick it, it would be the colts to kind of jump to middling team um hopefully believe in like Shane Steichen and Richardson and stuff like that they do have sure. a good nucleus of talent but they're also like it's so tough to say because it was so such a dysfunctional franchise last year um, with the hiring of Jeff Saturday you know we saw the Chargers play them and you know Austin Eckler even laughed at the idea that they were going to continue with the quarterback the next week because of how bad it like a decision <laughs> yeah, that was really bad then yeah really bad. right so you know we'll, we'll certainly see but I, I think that's fair. They're, it's the hello, hello Caleb Williams slot. They're not going to go get Caleb Williams, I don't yeah. think. Um, but yeah, they're they're they're. If I had to pick two teams to be at the bottom, it'd be these two. That that uh, specific phrasing is probably a little bit more applicable to the NFC teams, but I think the the principle is 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 fair. Um, I think I could understand an argument for the Titans to be in that conversation, but mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel is such a good head coach. They still have Derrick Henry. They still have Tannehill. I would probably make them a for sure middling team. Like I, I think they'll probably end up like a seven and ten kind of thing. What do you what do you make of them? Yeah, I would agree. It's it's sort of Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. I think the Steelers are better this year, but the way that there's just consistent consistency for that team. I mean that Titans team was pretty down and out. And they they really battled with the Chargers till the very end at home or at the Chargers home in SoFi. So yeah, I'll say middling. It wouldn't surprise me if suddenly we see them winning games and oh my gosh look at that they're you know 10 and 7 9 and 8 or something but i think middling team is fair all right anybody else that you think is definitely a middling team or definitely a bad team Ooh, um i think the raiders are a middling team which my dad's not gonna like but i'm gonna add them there (laughs) because I don't really know what the quarterback move does for them. I don't know if that makes them better or worse. They certainly right. think it's going to make them better, but I don't, I just don't really, there, there's two, like we talked about on the, our recent show, there's going to be potentially five of their draft picks that could start by week one, two or three, because they have so many holes on the roster. And so that's great for a rookie class, but it's just not the greatest team uncertain about the coach. And I think when it comes to record, they are going to be the the third or fourth team in the AFC West. So I I think they're going to kind of hang around middling team. Um, And the Broncos, I I barely feel more confident about them, to be honest. I'd be fine putting them in middling or fringe. Yeah, we'll we'll get to them in a second. But I think the Raiders, like, they have have too much talent right now to be a bad team outright, in my opinion. Um, If they had gone out and drafted one of these rookie quarterbacks, I think that maybe changes things. But Jimmy G is solid enough where I think that's not going to take mm-hmm. their offense. And then you're you're talking about 
Devontae Adams, you're talking about Hunter Renfro, Colton Miller, Jacoby Myers, like Josh Jacobs. Like that's a, a pretty good to potentially very good, you mm-hmm. know, supporting cast. Um, defensively, I think their defense is, is a big time work in progress, but you still have Max Crosby. You still have Chandler Jones. Like they, they have some pieces that I think will keep them from totally bottoming out as long as they stay, you know, decently healthy. Yeah. I think, I think they'll like, they're not beating the chiefs this year. My dad thinks the Chargers are going to beat them twice. We'll see. Um, the Broncos, they've somehow maintained a great record against the Broncos over the last few years, Mm. but yeah, I just think they're going to win some games that maybe they shouldn't, but then they're going to lose a lot of games that they should. Middling team. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, let's sort through some of these other teams here, Tyler. Who do you want to start with in terms of uh, this bottomer? Because I think this this is the meat of the AFC, if you will. There's yeah. a lot of teams, a lot of you know overcrowded uh, fighting for playoff spots here. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you want to start with next? Yeah, there really is. I was trying to run through this earlier today, and there's so many good teams in the AFC. It's really frightening. Um, I'll start with the Steelers, and I think that because they have two other teams in their division that are, I think, going to be better than they are, that that makes them a a fringe playoff team. But Mm -hmm. that's kind of what they are. I mean, that's that's the Mike Tomlin Steelers, is they're this fringe playoff team. And and think of the draft that they just had um, with – Joey Porter Jr., Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington, Keanu Benton, Corey Trice. Like, they had one heck of a draft, arguably the best draft, onto a a very competitive team with a very good football coach. So, you know, I think guys like their teams like the Ravens, like the Bengals, like we talked about, they're probably going to be better, and I would assume that they would be. Um, It really comes down to the quarterback, right? You put Lamar Jackson on the Steelers, very different conversation. But Joe Burrow on the Steelers, very different conversation. But Kenny Pickett, you know, wasn't awful for them there's a lot of positives there sure. um, but I think just this the floor of this team is just so high with Mike Tomlin that they have to be a fringe playoff team especially after the draft they just had yeah I mean I I thought that last year like was gonna be the year where they you know ruined their streak of never having a losing season yeah um, they ended up winning nine games so I mean Mike Tomlin is like <laughs> like you mentioned the definition of a fringe playoff team at this point in time I do think that there's a chance they could uh, make the playoffs for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the AFC is stacked, right? But, you know, Mike Tomlin is just provides such stability with that team that, like, I probably would pick them to be that team who missed the playoffs last year that will make it in the next year mm-hmm. over teams who have, you know, more uncertainty like some of the ones there at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, I'm gonna put the Ravens in the playoff team. You mentioned them. We'll kind of go AFC North here. Okay. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson has like an 80% winning percentage as a starter um, since he's been in the NFL. So it's, it, it, we just know what we're gonna get with this Ravens team under mm-hmm. John Harbaugh. Um, I think the defense is gonna be better. I think we'll see a big step from Kyle Hamilton. I mean, Tyler Linderbaum, their starting center, should take a step forward. Mm-hmm. And then I just believe in like what they've done, like I mentioned in the passing attack with Todd Munkin, with Odell, who I don't think is, I don't think he's worth of the, the worthy of the contract <laughs> they gave him. No, <laughs> but I think he'll be like. I mean, we're talking about a team that was like Devin Duvernay was their wide receiver two down a playoff stretch last year. Like he's he's gonna elevate the floor, and then you draft Zay Flowers as well. So. I just really believe in in their passing attack as well as you, you're talking about J.K. Dobbins on 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 the ground. So I, I'm a believer of the Ravens. Maybe a little bit too much, but 
I think we can pencil them in as a for sure playoff team. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair for them because it's a good football team and and sort of like Tomlin, Harbaugh, this team's going to be pretty consistent as well. Um, so yeah. Lamar, all things are good. No distractions at this point. You know the health mm-hmm. should be there. Good offense. So, you know, I think they're kind of. There's a couple teams to we'll talk about in the playoff team tier that are really jockeying for like who's that third team. I think the Ravens have a really good strong case. Yeah, I would say next. I don't think they're in the same kind of tier in terms of like how much I trust them. <laughs> but the Jags are alone. There's there's no way that the Jaguars are not a playoff team. So I think we kind of just have to put them in it because like these other teams, they're all going to be bad. Like the Tennessee Titans, like maybe they win seven, eight games, but maybe the Colts win seven, eight games. But mm-hmm. the Jaguars are going to cakewalk to a playoff spot, man. Yeah, they're they're at minimum a well-coached team. It seems like Trevor yeah. Lawrence taking that step forward. If Calvin Ridley hits, this is a team that could go pretty far in the play- playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the, the Calvin Ridley move was a move that we thought about talking uh, about in terms of like yeah. the biggest moves of the offseason, even though it happened like during the season. You know, they they had three uh, pass catchers go over 800 yards or something like that, and it was like guys that people were not super high on. Like Calvin Ridley's a bona fide wide receiver one, so mm-hmm. I think that's going to pay some, some dividends for them. Um, all right, Tyler, who do you want to go to next? Uh, let's go to the Miami Dolphins. So I think we should try to get seven teams, like two Super Bowl contenders and then five in the playoff team tier because there's going to be seven playoff teams. Um, I think the Dolphins fit there as a playoff team. I, mm-hmm. again, don't know about the quarterback situation, but this kind of comes down to like the, the 49ers Shanahan thing where, listen, the system is the system and the system is good and the system works and, and has worked. Really comes down to health, obviously, but... I think I would consider them fringe, if not for guys like Fangio and Ramsey. That just changes things for me. If you can crank out somehow a top 12 defense, maintain that same offensive efficiency, I think you're considered a playoff team. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about them. I I don't know if what they did on offense is really sustainable Mm. because it was so reliant on explosive plays and and big-time touchdowns from Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell in particular. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the NFL posted a clip of Tyree Kill and his touchdowns last year, and, like, three of them were, like, the defender fell down, like, against Michael Davis, uh, yeah. the fumble the thing, fumble. <laughs> you know. Like, I, I just don't know how sustainable the Miami Dolphins' offense is, and they don't really have, like, a counterpunch. Like, that was the thing with their offense mm-hmm. last year is, like, when push came to shove and, and you couldn't get those explosive plays, like, what is your alternative? Mm. And they they lean more into the explosive plays. They drafted Devon A-Chain, who's, who's another speedy guy. And, like, yeah. that's their thing. But I'm a little skeptical of the Dolphins this year, at least on offense. Like, we just talked about the defense. And I mm-hmm. think defense is going to be better. But then you also add in the fact that the AFC East is – there's not a bad team in the AFC East, man. Like, the, it's going to be difficult for these teams to really kind of – elevate themselves so i personally would put the dolphins into fringe playoff team is there an afc team you put over them um yeah i i think it is the jets unfortunately like Mm. i I just i think aaron Rodgers is gonna come out for for souls as scott matlock would say (laughs) yeah notable great legend scott scott matlock (laughs) um i don't mind that i don't mind that fringe playoff team Again, on record, I think playoff team, but I understand why the Jets would be considered a playoff team because we just talked yeah. about it. that's a that's a huge move for them, and you know significantly more even in a new situation about Rodgers than you do Tua. 
Yeah, and I think there's just going to be better synergy there. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett is is he failed in Denver pretty miserably, but you know he's Aaron's guy, so I think there's going to be mm-hmm. some good synergy there. Mm-hmm. Um, how much are you buying the Sean Payton hype? Then let's go, let's go there next. Uh, I will go. Jeez, Louise. Okay, we 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 left ourselves with the teams other than the Chargers that I feel like are the most difficult to figure out uh, for various reasons. I think the floor is going to be higher, but I either have them at fringe or middling team. Um, hmm. I don't know if I can consider. I don't. I don't consider them a playoff team personally. They're not a bad team. Um, I just feel like it's a team that I have to see it. So, if I had to guess, because their defense is already so good, I'd say fringe playoff team. But things have to work, and like we talked about earlier, I don't know if they will. Yeah, I think that's fair, and, and that's probably where I would put them as well. I don't like Sean Payton is going to be good for the Broncos. I just I still don't think they have enough to like have a super high ceiling with mm-hmm. Russell Wilson at quarterback and the way that he's played. Um, so I think that's fair. Um, the Patriots, I think also like the Steelers, we kind of just have to put them as a fringe playoff team. Um, I think that defense is so good to the mm-hmm. point where like we know that they're going to be a top ten defense and. You know, Bill O'Brien, I don't think, is a great play caller, but he's certainly better than Matt Patricia. So, um, you know, I think the Patriots, until proven otherwise, are, are at least a French playoff team. Yeah, that's fair. And, oh, man, they got Gonzalez. Like, I almost considered Gonzalez one of the biggest moves of the AFC because if you can have an, a Sauce Gardner kind of effect for that defense, that's yeah. huge for this defense in Bill Belichick. So, but no, French playoff team. Again, kind of in everybody in this tier, it's all about the quarterback question marks, right? right. We don't really know about the quarterback, so not a bona fide playoff team. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, we've seen Bill Belichick turn undrafted free agents into elite corners, man. Like, what's he going to do with Christian <laughs> Gonzalez? I cannot wait oh, to see man. that. Um, all right, Browns. I personally would put the Browns in middling team just because what we saw from Deshaun Watson last year was so bad. Um, that it wasn't just like, it wasn't like, oh, like there's some clear rust. Like he was like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. So that's where I would put them personally. I tweeted out the question of like, which of the non-playoff teams would you pick to make the playoffs? And a lot of people said the Browns. Um, Mm -hmm. And I understand why they've got a very talented roster. They added Elijah Moore in the offseason, who we both really liked in the draft. Yeah. But until we see otherwise from Deshaun Watson, I just, I cannot trust him because like Jacoby Brissett was a clearly superior quarterback in Cleveland last year. So I just, I'm hesitant on the Browns to say the least. Yeah. I feel like there's just so much talent that I I would lean fringe playoff team, but the Deshaun Watson stuff, man, there was a good, but three weeks to start the season where it was like one touchdown, maybe you yeah. could bear like the defense was finally playing. Okay. And they couldn't get anything going. So there's definitely a scare there, but um, I think the trade for Smith, the trade for Elijah Moore, I think that does help things. Um, they have so much talent on defense. I just the, the coordinator has never really put it together. So I'm fine with them at middling team. I could see them being a fringe playoff team, but they're also in the division with the Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers, right. who I think are better than they are or are more consistent than they are. So I think middling team is fair. Yeah. All right, Tyler. Uh, we'll spend our last few minutes here talking about the Chargers. Where are you placing them uh, as of May 21st, 2023? <laughs> Um, well, thanks for making me go first. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to place the chargers as a playoff team. I think they are 
easily a playoff team. I think anything less than that, it was certainly a failure, but I believe in this Chargers team to be a playoff team. The question just comes down to whether I believe they're a Super Bowl contender or not. I can run through enough permutations where I say, you do this, this happens, and this happens. Yeah, Super Bowl contenders. The Chargers could go out and beat the Chiefs. They could go out and beat the Bengals. They've done that, right? But it's it comes down to proving yourself at this point. So if the Chargers had won a game in the playoffs last year, gone a little bit further, and shown over the last two years, three years, whatever, with Herbert, that they're consistently a good team, a playoff team, a prepared team, and a team that can win big games and big moments in the postseason, then yeah, Super Bowl contender. Because this is a really, really, really talented team that, I mean, they drafted a wide receiver three for their offense because they're really stacked overall. And that wide receiver three is going to be really solid for them. It's just about proving yourself. And I think this group, that playoff team group, I I think the Chargers are kind of with the Bills where this is a really freaking talented team. And if they have the MVP on their team and they're a top three team in the league and they win the, the one seed and they make it far in the playoffs, totally makes sense. But you just got to prove it. And I think that the Chiefs are the class of the AFC. I think the Chiefs win the division. So I have the Chargers just below them as a playoff team. I think that's fair. And, you know, I think the Chargers certainly have the ceiling to get to that Super Bowl contender. Um, There's just like, there's no way for me to look at the Chargers as if they stay relatively healthy. It's a big if for every single team, right? But if the Chargers stay relatively healthy, they're going to be better than they were last year. I mean, we just spent, mm-hmm. you know, 10 minutes talking about Kellen Moore and how he elevates the ceiling, how he's going to be one of the, the moves that defines the offseason. So how can you not have them as a playoff team? Right. I mean, Justin Herbert is going to be healthy this year. You know, the odds are that Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they're not going to miss as many games as they did last year. Joey Bosa, same kind of thing. Um, so this this team has such a high ceiling because of the quarterback, because of the skilled players around him, because of the talent on defense. And I think, like, like it's hard for me to envision a scenario where they don't make the playoffs. I know it's May. I know that's it's on paper, everything like that. But I'm just I'm such a believer in what Kellen Moore can bring to this table. Mm-hmm. Um, last year at this time, we were talking about Justin Herbert as like our pick for MVP, right? Because mm-hmm. we we were such a big believer in what leap he could have in year two in that system. It gets a better system around him this year. He's not gonna have broken ribs. He's not gonna have a torn labrum. <laughs> Like Justin Herbert is going to be healthier and I think he's going to put up huge numbers for this team. So the schedule is more difficult. I think the AFC is better, Mm -hmm. but I think the chargers are going to be better. I think they're going to be more explosive. I think they're going to be more efficient on offense. I think they're going to have better talent on defense. Um, And so it's just, it's hard for me to put them in another spot. And again, we're on the chargers channel. We're chargers fans. Of course, we're going to say this kind of thing, Sure. but it's, if you look objectively at this team, they have too much talent for me not to put them as a clear cut playoff team. Yeah. Easy decision for me. It really comes down to, and we'll get into this on another show where they actually rank among these teams. So we have them in a tier with five other teams, but are they more three or are they more seven? That's another conversation. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, that was a great point too, but you mentioned like having to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, how much time are you giving the chargers before you buy into the hype again? Like, is this something like mid season? Is this like, I got to wait until the playoffs. What's your timeline in terms of like, okay, at this point I could see myself buying them as a, as a Super Bowl contender. It's going to be weird, but there's, there's a point in week one where if they win that game, <laughs> which seems really early, but you're playing a team 
with a, a lot on the line, a very, you know, solid team. I consider them a playoff team. You consider them a fringe playoff team. That's one point where things have to start. You win that game, I think my outlook for the season changes. But in terms of buying them as a legit contender and getting back into that hype, you need to win a playoff game. You win the playoff game. I almost dropped my T. You win that first playoff game, and, and then I can start believing in it. And, and frankly, I think that overall with the Chargers, it's going to take well, either a Super Bowl win this year for me to believe them as contenders or consistent showing up in the postseason, at least in the divisional round, every single year because that's what they should be doing. This is a really talented team with a really talented quarterback. So uh, in terms of buying with their outlook for most of the year, you know, yeah, win week one, and I, I will like, hey, that's great. This is a, it's a really talented team, a good offense you just faced. You just checked a ton of boxes. That probably means that Kellen Moore had a really solid opening and showing. Herbert looks healthy. So I'll feel good about the rest of the season. But in terms of buying the hype, got to win a playoff game. Like it's, gonna, it's going to have to take a playoff win for me to believe in them. And then they just have two more to win or one more to win or whatever um, to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I totally get that. In terms of the week one, that's definitely going to set the tone for the season. I yeah. think that's a, a very important game. I think by the time that we see the Chargers against the Ravens and the Jets, mm. I think we'll know about the team for for this upcoming season. I think we'll know really how confident to feel about this team making a playoff run. Then the schedule is very difficult, 100%. But if they are sitting or if they leave the Meadowlands, you know, on Monday Night Football and they are, what's that, week nine? Are they six and two? Are they seven and one? Or are they kind of four and four or five and three kind of situation. So we'll know by the Jets game, like how confident we should be in this team uh, heading down the home stretch. And I think we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be pretty confident at that point. But again, like you said, I totally understand. You want to see them in the playoffs, kind of a tone for, for that loss against the Jaguars. How fun would it be if they got to repeat that man, got to really just go back to Jacksonville and, and uh, come out on top next time. That'd be a lot of fun. No, you're, you're going to send me. <laughs> Into an early heart attack. So never say that again. Let's end the show. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is going to do it for us today. So hopefully you guys uh, appreciated the content and the conversations there. I, I always like to kind of take stock of where mm -hmm. the team is at after everything, the dust has settled before training camp starts and everything like that. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, nope. Thanks for having us on. Yep. Uh, appreciate the Chargers, as always, for having us on here. Appreciate Greg for uh, producing today. Uh, as always, make sure and subscribe to the Chargers channel. Subscribe to our channel as well. We appreciate all you guys over there. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time. Bolt up. Bolt up.